a happy 4th of July and a new Dream 3 podcast for you. Here it's July 3rd. we got a lot to talk about. We have the NBA triple logo man that was pulled and sold. We got basketball playoff or we got basketball trades going on. We got Niels Avalanche winning the show. Let's get into it. there all right back after a uh, little bit of time off got a lot to discuss last night ufc 276 which you and me were going back and forth uh texting back and forth kind of what's going on what was going on last night um Let's start with let's start from the top down. Like let's go to Adesanya fight first. What's your kind of takeaways of what um, you I think you we were texting a little bit and I think you kind of spoke to this probably the best in saying it wasn't the best matchup. Um but I'm I'm just going through back to like what Adesanya's been able to do probably the last say four or five fights he's mostly been a technician rather than mm-hmm. a finisher mm-hmm. um it's not exciting but it wins you championships and that's that's kind of where he's kind of taking that um you know it sets up i mean it sets up the super fight between Pereira and him i mean i think it sets up pretty well i don't see any reason why dana wouldn't make that happen i think he's probably the best contender and He'll challenge Adesanya a little bit. So there's a lot of talk on Twitter right now of Adesanya being compared to Mayweather as an entertainer who people love or love to hate, but he's also being a very good defensive fighter. You look at Adesanya's yes. last few fights, he hasn't been touched. The Paulo Costa fight, he never got touched once. This fight with Kanir, he may have gotten hit, you know, four or five times, maybe twice flush, but. Um, he's doing it's going the distance, but he's not getting touched, which in the name of the game is um, if you can save that damage, you know, you're going to have a longer, long term longevity career. Unlike, let's say, like the Chuck Liddell effect where your jaw where you needed a crowbar to, to knock the man unconscious. And then by the time, you know, his career ended up, you know, a slight breeze could knock him out. So Adesanya, yeah. wait, even though it's not. You know, it's not exciting. He's he's not, let's say, going in there and throwing leather just to throw leather, but he's being, you know, very cautious and picking his spots and and being playing a very good technical game, which a lot of people aren't liking. But you know, like you said, we're here to win win championships, not to get into a slugfest. You correct. Now, um, this brings up a good point that I that I don't, and I'm not here to, to, you know, this is kind of about the UFC card that just happened, but I think this is a good point to bring up, you know, John Jones and what he did. Like when you're talking about, you know, these Kamar Usman, we're talking about Adesanya, we're talking about these guys who are holding the belt for a long time. They're, they're going to challenge, you know, records now. 
And if they continue to do that, they will get there. But I think what John Jones did as a technician was he would he would exploit everyone's weaknesses and then he would go and he would capitalize and finish everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you look at Adesanya and how technical he's been and a defensive fighter and, you know, Twitter saying, okay, let's compare him to Floyd Mayweather. I think it's more of a testament to John Jones and the fact that he could do all those things that Izzy is doing right now and still be able to put people away and make it entertaining for the crowd, which I think, you know, shows a lot about, you know, essentially what UFC should be about and what's what's exciting about the sport is the finish you know you're able to finish your opponent i mean that's the name of the game um it's not necessarily about dragging it out for five rounds i think everybody can tell you that but izzy's doing great i mean he's a champion for the reason for a reason he's been there a long time we'll see how things go do you think him and john's john ever meet down the line no, I think John's if, – if we're going to be honest about John, I think you know this too. He's coming back for two two fights, at most three fights, and it'll be one to whatever, fight Stipe or um, fight – or you fight Stipe or fight Francis, probably Stipe first. I think that one's going to be set. Um, that They haven't made the announcement on that, have they? No, not yet. They're still waiting for it, one it's of the two to sign the contract. Yeah, it's coming. So, number one, he beats Stipe. You know, that solidifies his his spot at heavyweight. Then, you know, fight number two, you go out and you take out Francis. If you manage to do those two things, I think, I mean, his heavy his light heavyweight career is solidified. But if he's able to do that and be a two-division champion, better than Daniel Cormier, it sets him, I mean, he's already above everybody, but it sets him apart into like, you know, the beyond, we shouldn't even have a conversation anymore. Correct. And, you know, maybe a third fight is, okay, he comes back and he wants the light heavyweight belt just to show his dominance. Or, like you said, maybe, maybe Izzy is that third fight just for a, a showman's fight, you know, because they are technicians and and it would be a good one, but you never know. Speaking of dominance, let's go to the co-main event, Max Holloway versus um, Volkanovski. Like one-sided, uh, I said this in the gym earlier this week, um, looking at Max at the press conference at weigh-ins, to me, he looked pretty drained out. I don't know if it was a rough weight cut, rough training camp, something like that, but he did not seem um, full. He did not seem like he was uh, – all there he was you know obviously very motivated very prepared trying to get that win and he had battled his way back to to fight volkanovsky but you know what does it say for volkanovsky to completely dominate that fight from bell to bell um i i think he just has his number i mean i think you know once you lose to a guy twice and then you know, you come back in a third fight and he just obliterates you. It, it just, it's a testament to the, your work ethic, your training, your ability to watch tape and to just get better every time. And Max may have 
gotten better against other opponents, but the ultimate thing is he's got to get back to the belt and to get past, to get to the belt, you got to get past Volkanovsky and he didn't do it. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's more of a testament to Volkanovsky than I think it is Holloway and Max, just because I, I think honestly, he's passed, he's passed that stage in his career where, you know, everybody goes through a, a peak and he's, he's not at that peak anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to salvage what's left of it. And, you know, I think, I think you could say, you know, last night there's, there are three or four, there are two or three, two or three guys who you could say probably should have dropped, should have laid their gloves on the mat after last night. And he's probably one of them. Do you think, and they teased it in the cage and they teased it at the press conference. Do you think Volkanovsky should move up to 55? He's, what what's what is it 35 right now or is he 45 i can't remember what 45 the 45 um no um and the reason why i think you what you get with 155 is you get all the height and size of max holloway but you get people cutting from 170 who are bigger faster and stronger um, well, you gotta well, remember, gotta remember, Volkanovski was a professional rugby player, two thirty. <clears throat> I understand. How tall is he, though? Oh, uh, probably like five six. <laughs> okay, there's a there's a difference between playing rugby and then literally getting punched in the face. Um, rugby, you can use some of that, you know, fat to help dis- dissipate some of those blows. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're just getting pwned in the face for five rounds it's a little bit different um i think volk's probably he's probably safe where he's at does he really need to no it's cleaned Um, out the division yeah who else who else is left in that division nobody any young any young talent not that's worth a shot or are they all in 135 they're all at 135 that's probably why i tell you what I mean, well, no, he's pretty thick, but he's, yeah, I don't I mean, think he's he only 5'6". I don't think he could cut another 10. Yeah. That's a lot. If he could cut, if he could cut It'd 10 be pounds, that would be, that would be the way to go. But if you can't do it, I don't think 155 really does anything for your career. Maybe, I don't know. Who's, who's the 155 champ? Uh, right now it's... Uh... Uh, oh, it's vacant, isn't it? Because Charles, because Charles, Charles is uh, Charles and Dustin, mm, yeah. So it's Charles and whoever he fights next. I, I mean, well, do you think Dane is going to give him a title shot if he goes up to one fifty five right away? Absolutely, absolutely. You make a champ champ match. Do it. I mean, might as well. Um, but I think you're getting into a lot more lankier guys who might be a little more talented than Max. Max is really skinny. Mm. And I think I think you get a little more meat on your bones that you got to deal with. Um It's like it's like Connor. I mean Connor Connor jumped up to 170 and I think he outtouched himself because he realized, you know, making that jump there's a little more power there. Yeah. You know. Speaking of up-and-coming uh, players from this weekend, Alex Pereira, not really that he's an up-and-comer, but a lot of people in the MMA scene don't know who he is. Um, right. Very, you know, 
distinguished kickboxer. He'd been fighting kickboxing uh, in glory or K1 since I believe he was 15. Um, you could tell in his speed. Yeah. Last he man to knock out Adesanya, which, you know, if you haven't watched the first two fights, because he fought Adesanya twice. Um, in kickboxing, we'll be yeah, clear. Which, and, you know, Adesanya got caught, but still, he knocked him clean out. Now, what he did to Sean Strickland was just, yeah. you know, it's that kickboxing timing and knowing that range. And mm-hmm. Alex Pereira, you know, is showing that. that the question becomes, striking. you know, what can he do outside of kickboxing? Because if, if we're talking about uh, Izzy being a really good technician, he's not going to try and kickboxing. You know, keep no, the distance. Like, yeah, it's not going to be about distance. It's going to it's gonna be about close quarters. Being in the clinch, taking him down, and you know, getting into the rest of the MMA, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, is is Alex talented enough to be able to do that? I I It'll don't know. Be good to find out, and you know, as much hype as that matchup got uh, during the whole weekend, yeah, you know, it's something that we, you know, people kind of want to see. So that might be the next fight to to make. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. So yeah. um, he deserves it. I mean, you don't go in there smacking around the number four ranked, you know, 170 and not give yourself a title shot, especially when the others haven't really shown any any success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why not Cowboy. throw one out of left field? Yeah. Cowboy Cerrone finally retired, which I'm happy about, even though, you know, great fighter, loved watching him fight throughout the years, but man, he's on a massive losing streak. Like he said, and you could tell over the last couple fights, he just doesn't love it anymore. He's got, you know, his kids are growing up. He's doing movies now. He's got so many different things. Like if you're not all in on fighting, there's no reason for you to get into the cage. And I think it's a good final matchup between him and Jim Miller, two long-term veterans, um, Obviously, future Hall of Famers. Yeah, I was going to say probably both Hall of Famers at this point. And they fought each other before, so it's not like you know they're going in and fighting young lions. Like it's two guys with similar skills, and you know it's a good fight to go out on, even though it didn't go Cowboys' way. Um, Still entertaining. Anything could happen between those two, and I'm just kind of kind of glad to see it be be done and him to move on to his next phase of life. Yep. I think I can't think of anything else that was major on uh, on the main card. I know on the prelims, I was texting Craig and Tommy that I don't know if you watched any of the prelims, but uh, Uriah Hall is hot garbage. Like, so I think his peak was the spinning back heel kick. And I agreed too because you know all that show was was after he hit that you know he felt so bad about hurting the guy and the guy going out in the stretcher, he has been a mental head case. Mm-hmm. You know if you look at his career and look at his record, it's just you know peak peak and valley, peak and valley, peak and valley. Like yep. you think Uriah Hall is about to turn this corner and then it's just like he doesn't Lazy show down. up and it's all in yep. his own head. Yeah. Oh, the um, the O'Malley, Pedro Munoz oh, fight. Yeah. So, the, the <laughs> so, so uh, UFC posted um, 
he suffered a corneal abrasion, which if any of you know anything, um, can be um, cumbersome and albeit painful, but there's been guys in the UFC who have suffered a lot more from an eye poke who managed uh, to finish the fight. Yep. So I, it's kind of sad the way that ended. It was a I, tough way to kick took, off the card, especially, you know, a lot of hype around O'Malley and for something to end like that, it kind of made the card feel like, uh, it's going to be one of those. Yes. Uh, and you 100%. Saw, and you saw throughout the card, there was a good amount of eye pokes, which, you know, begs the question, does the UFC need to look into a different type of glove? Uh, well, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, think of the old pride gloves. So the old pride gloves made the opponent's hands, actually the fingers actually curl over so you couldn't put them straight out. So the glove made your fingers curl. Um, Onyx, but, but does that put the, the people who are wrestlers or jiu-jitsu specialists at a disadvantage with not having the same hand dexterity? No, actually, I think it puts them in a better advantage because now instead of having to go here to grip, most jujitsu guys cup and don't use their thumbs anyway when they grip. So, I, I mean, you look at Fedor, you look at Noguera, you look at you know Mark Coleman and Mark Kerr back in the Pride days, they had absolutely mm -hmm. no problem putting their hands on people and getting them down. Even Trevor Whitman's come up with the glove. Um, with his brand Onyx that, you know, he's been trying to get the UFC to use for a long time because the eye pokes have been, you know, it, it's part of the game. Um, but it's something that, you know, if we can figure out a way to get around, yeah. as long as they're not like the old kickboxing gloves that are like half covered and the bottoms are open. Here's, here's the, here's the thing though. It's, I don't think it happens enough that it's truly a significant problem in the UFC. I think it just happens enough just to piss you off. And True. I don't know if it's worth changing the gloves for people to complain about it, or I don't, I don't know what that answer is, but I do know that some guys just need to sack up a little bit and getting poked in the eye versus having an orbital fracture is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you're in there to fight, you probably should, you know, I don't know, grow some balls. Yeah. Yep. Well, it was a good card. Top to bottom, anyway. Um, it was long. I think I went to bed at like 1.30. But. Um, I watched the rerun of it um, the morning after because I fell asleep literally watching Volkanovsky just put away Max Holloway like a redheaded stepchild. So, yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is, this is just <clears throat> embarrassing. So. Um, so, let's go back into something that happened. I think it was last week. Um, so the LeBron triple logo man, which Ken Golden said is the biggest card of all time, um, <clears throat> who had put out estimates that this card should sell for five million, six million, seven million dollars, ended up selling for two point five million dollars. I I've heard through the grapevine that there was some bidding issues for some of the bidders. In which really? they weren't allowed to bid after a certain price point, meaning there was some backdoor promises and exchanges going on with Golden. 
because someone came out and said right after the sale that he had that he knows of 10 people who would purchase the card at 2.75 million dollars right now mm-hmm. and that makes me think okay well if that's true i'm sure there's someone willing to pay more out of that so it, it, it seems really weird how a card could be pumped up so much and then just fall flat on its face. Especially when we know the people in the hobby and collectors in general that have that money on hand that could buy it straight up if that was the price. Um, like you said, is this... Uh, like Drake, like I'm pretty sure Drake wouldn't... Like if Drake really wanted that card, if he's searching all these flawless cases just to get that card, like two $2.4 million is... His Nothing. his pocket I mean, he put change a, out of his car. He, he put a million on Izzy last night. So yeah, so two point four million for a piece of cardboard covered in plastic seems a so little bit cheap to him. Does that does that ring insider trading to you, where somebody can buy it at a cheaper price and then you know resell it down the line for? Oh, know, I think there is. Two, I mean, four X. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going on. I think that goes on in the hobby all the time. I mean that's I mean, if you other than other than the we'll call it the COVID boom and just sports boom of the past the sports card boom, you know there's some there's some manipulations of the market, and, and I mean you see that with uh, you know V friends and um, their hobby boxes getting shilled to the moon by people by Gary V's group and his clan, you know I. I, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, you see, I mean, you see it almost, it's almost become like a weekly or monthly thing where, you know, someone's scamming someone in the hobby or someone's trying to cut corners in the hobby or, you know, someone's trying, you know, doing this and manipulating the prices so that way they can sell there. It's, it's happening all over. And I'm, I it's, think the, it's the, almost expected now. The biggest, like one of the biggest sports, I think, I wouldn't call it a pump and dump, but a, a hype to fall flat was WWE Prism. I remember, you oh, know, yeah. hobby, hobby boxes were fifteen hundred dollars a box. Yeah, and, what are they now? Four hundred, something like that. And then you Probably go to get some cheaper. So it's kind of going into another point that I wanted to talk about was, you know, I'm able to see some retail stuff back on shelves, mm-hmm. um, and one thing that I see a ton of is WWE Prism. Like yep. people buy a ton of it, but they can't move it. Unless you're opening it. Another thing about retail, I don't know if you probably, I don't know if you've even seen any retail lately. There's so many products of, I don't want to say crap because everybody has their own different genre of what they like, but the Bowman use and the, the now these NIL type cards where it's just kind of oversaturating football and it's oversaturating baseball and basketball and the amount of i don't know if it's panini like like we've talked about in the past just printing cards to print cards but so much it's um so i think part of that is there there is a market they wouldn't produce it if there wasn't a market there's a market i mean ryan johnson okay card collector too loves to collect Ohio State players in Ohio State uniforms. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's got a massive collection. He doesn't care what the prices are. He loves collecting Ohio State because he's an Ohio State fan. I think there's that kind of pe- – there's those people. 
in the hobby still. So I think there's a there is a market for it. But do I think Panini is also overproducing a mass amount of products just to be able to put money out there and make as much money as they can because they're going to lose all their money in 2024 or 25? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I also think that is the case. Um, there's just there's they're printing so many different products and retail and hobby and it's it's the market I think is being oversaturated with cards. And that the only thing that Matt, I think people are, have, it's like the market has matured to the point where they know that the only thing that's worth anything is if it's like super, super secular as a super high end product. Other than that, it's just like, it's not worth the same. Yeah, I, I bought, I've bought some boxes recently just to, you know, to open things because I haven't right. had anything in a long time. And, you know, I opened a couple boxes of mosaic soccer and it's just like, I look back on, I'm like, why did I even open it? Like it's not, unless you're opening a hobby box, like it almost feels like it's not worth it anymore. Yes. Um, Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, for us who are truly collectors and appreciated the cards as they used to be made, it's, it's not, it's not about that anymore. There's, there's so many more people in the hobby that, Panini, like I said, Panini is just going to produce this crap product, this crap retail product, just to get money out there on the shelves. Now, um, what's your thought, real quick? Of do you feel that the market is flatlining? Is it falling a little bit to correct, or is it peaking? Because so I, I always see the you know the certain YouTuber you know, card guys, all the, the markets, the markets going up, people are buying, people are this and that. I'm like, uh, I don't know if they're doing that. So, so here's, here's something. Um, so a lot of people will call them podcasters, influencers, and other just big names in the hobby. They've talked about how this market's in kind of a dip. Now, Part of this is being the fact that we have the national here in four weeks. Mm -hmm. So people are kind of waiting for that. And at this time in in, in the market, it's going to be slow because people are either saving their money or they're cashing out. and Things are getting undercut because they're trying to sell to get money for the national or just get other inventory or buy lots just to buy people out. Um, So things are a little slow, I think. Um, but if you look at like overall the market since the market since uh, or the card ladder 50 market. So if you go into the card ladder, look at the indexes, you see CL 50, which basically is all of sports or all of cards um, over the last three months down 11% over the last month, down 8% and over the last eight last two weeks down one percent um so the numbers are getting smaller as the months have kind of got closer and closer so are we reaching the bottom probably i mean what we've talked about you know over the course of the last year is well football's kind of been the driving driving part of the market and you know it's kind of the summer nhl just just ended baseball's the only thing Congrats, Colorado Avalanche, my team. I went two two championships in a year, which I never would have thought ever happened. Rams and the Avalanche, I, nuts. 
spent way too much money on those cards or I on bet. those teams right now. So, um, anyways, the point is we're in the soft part of the year where, you know, the only thing running is baseball and baseball's down too. So it'll pick back up once fall comes around. It's the summer. People are enjoying the summer. They're spending time with family, 4th of July, you know, they're, they're before the fall hits, you know? So I think, uh, I think everything kind of is culminating in that. Um, and I think once, once the fall hits, we should start to see some, some stuff pick back up. And I'll even go as far as to say, like in football, the overall card index shows from the last month, it's down 8%. But if you were to, but if I were to say, okay, the, the football market's down 8%, but if you were buying Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and probably Tua or Trevor Lawrence, your market's definitely not down. Yeah. Like those yeah. markets are already picking up. So overall football, yeah, probably down. But the market is – the market and those players, specific players, are up mm-hmm. for sure. And they are the hottest thing right now on the planet. For sure. People are prepping for the season. So, yeah. And I think that, and I've seen a lot of people talk about this that Josh Allen seems to be the hot topic going into national. Yeah. I think he's a little, I think he, and I've said this like Josh Allen, yes, great player, great quarterback, but it's kind of like, what have you done though? Other than lose the most meaningful games and playing great in those games. Like Aaron Rodgers can tell you all about what it means to play really good and then choke when it matters most. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. Yep. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's just a little too high. I think it's a sell off time for Josh Allen once the season starts. Okay. So how about a little bit of basketball? Um, the favorite thing right now is how about, you know, the nets just basically blowing up. So uh, Katie's gone. So, so Katie and Kyrie both go to Brooklyn to try and formulate a super team to win a championship. Then they bring in James Harden. So they have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Katie, essentially all well within their prime. Harden and Kyrie basically start keep trying to kill each other. Yep. So Harden gets moved. And then now Kyrie and KD are there, and they're at odds with each other, I think, because they're not happy with the situation in Brooklyn, but they're the ones who constructed it all. So it's kind of like you guys are your own problem right now. Um, Now Kyrie's trying to go back into L.A., uh, apparently. I heard KD KD and Golden State are – there's a possible trade there. So, so Warriors win the title and they add the best, one of the best, what top ten players in the league, top five players in the league. That seems, yeah, that seems really just really good right there. But and then you look across, like you know, a lot of people getting paid. Uh, Zion gets a two hundred million dollar deal over five years. Let's John talk Ryan. about that real quick. Right. Two hundred million dollars to a kid who the only thing he's posted in the last or only only thing that's relevant in the last few months is him dunking a basketball 
and and that's supposed to get you two hundred million dollars for dunking a basketball. I can name you every other NBA player in the league who could dunk you dunk a basketball. A guy who's only played eighty six total games in his career. Yes, like it. Like forget the fact that okay, yeah, you weigh two hundred ninety five pounds and you can box people out because you're a big doughboy. Like other than that and dunking a basketball. Where, where's where's the it, $200 million? It's crazy dollars? that he got a massive deal and Jaw Ja got a massive deal, but it was only five years, 125. Like I, you know, Jaw is the, the premier guy of that class so far. Right. And I think he will be forever mm. of, of that class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it just, it baffles me. But then again, it's New Orleans and they need something to cling on to because no one wants to go play down there. So, very true, except for Zion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, you get paid two hundred million dollars, and your all your contracts are guaranteed. I guess you can go eat Mountain Dew or go drink Mountain Dew and eat hoes all day long. Because what are they going to do? True. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is bailing for Man U. Uh, I think that's a great decision. Man U is going to be terrible for the next couple years to come. Yep. Uh, so. Good move for him if you have those uh, World Cup cards or any uh, Ronaldo Manu cards. We're sorry. Um, should have stick with Chelsea right now. Got to yeah. stick with the Pulisic and the Kai Havertz. Yeah. I feel bad for Ronaldo because he kind of wanted to like end it. it. It seemed like he wanted to end it there. But, yeah, I mean, you don't surround anybody with your team or with, with him. I mean – it just makes makes that player who's of his caliber and of his prestige just kind of pissed off. For sure. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's got a chance at a World Cup. Yeah. Anything can happen. So yep. anything can happen. Still, uh, I know me and Josh are still betting on hard for uh for World Cup. Um, got some Mbappe's coming in, bought this week. Uh, so a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, USFL. Let me ask you this. Yeah, go ahead. What do you think about? Let's 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 take away. Okay, so let's do this. Let's take away Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, who you guys would probably you could probably say is the top three quarterbacks people are Fine. getting for the season, right? Yes. Who are the next best three? The next best three with a chance. If you're investing your money, who are the next best three quarterbacks? So you're you're saying the next best three to invest in card wise. Who you yes. would put? Who's in. being? Who is undervalued and underappreciated for the team that they've created or constructed around, or has a chance to break out and be, you know, a star? I can name. I can name probably. I can name three people who I've thought about over the course of this. I can I can get two off the top of my head that I'm not without thinking really hard. I would say Lamar is one. That would and, be uh, that would be the other one. Dak Prescott would be two. I didn't really think Dak Prescott, only because I can't trust Dallas. But the other guy I was thinking of was Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, Jalen's a sleeper. I thought I was thinking pretty heavily in, in uh, invested in Jalen, especially after the AJ Brown trade. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Philly's done a lot of stuff this offseason to really. And if you look at Jalen himself, how much weight he's put on, and he's hit the weight room, and he looks good, and 
you know, he's a big, strong dude. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's prime for a breakout season. Obviously, he reminds me a little of like the Russell Wilson type player that kind of run can run. Okay, I like the Derek Carr, D Bland. Good, good point. Derek, Derek Carr's Carr. a good option. You know, the Raiders. There's did a lot of there's a lot of underappreciated guys. You could right even now. you could I don't know if he's underappreciated, but you could throw uh, Russ in there with Denver now. Um, Denver. Do you think got, they really can? challenge the chargers the the raiders or the with russ in there with russ in there yes because all you know it takes a a premium qb to be able to guide that like look at tom brady look at peyton manning those guys took average wide you trust that do you trust the talent though on offense you don't i'm not sure if you really have to trust the talent you just have to trust the guy who's in charge to put them in the right position well i mean we see that with Aaron Rodgers every year. Yeah, but we're talking about not. I'm I'm still thinking of, you know, I'm still thinking card wise of who would I invest up? Do I see making a big leap? Like, you know, Russ is going to have some great games. Now, is he going to struggle against those uh, those AFC West teams for sure? You know, I don't yeah. think I don't think the Denver defense can really keep up with some of those high powered offenses, but we'll rest. I would say last year, but not definitely not this year. They've lost some key pieces. Yeah. And uh, two is for sure. Part of that conversation. Um, Do you think he's the least talented of the guys we named though? Of the, of the top five that we named of, let's say Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Russ. So out of six. Yeah. He's he's the least talented. talented. He's the least talented. You at maybe think that's probably why people don't. I, at least me, I'm not a big Tua guy, and I think it's because I don't trust him. I just I don't, don't trust left. I don't trust left-handed quarterbacks who aren't named Michael Vick. I just don't think we've seen enough of him yet. I mean, you, you put him in a bad situation in Miami to begin with, and now it's not. He's not starting over. He's starting with a better team. See, this is this is what I don't get. So Brian Flores put those guys in a good position where they were winning football games and they were playing meaningful defense. And Brian, I don't see why they got rid of Brian Flores. I don't know how your coaching gets better from that. Um I don't know. I, I it seems it's to me either. it seemed like um, the quarterback consistency at the quarterback position was the hardest part because i think offensively i think offensively you were there you just you had defensively to you were there you, you just needed a guy to injuries with two to uh and you know it was and flores is a he's a new england guy who who other than you know belichick they, they typically aren't they aren't head coaches. They yeah, are, they're very much role coaches. Bill O'Brien. Yeah, Bill O'Brien. Uh, you could say Josh McDaniels. He had a short stint in St. The Louis. Um, Matt, Matt Patricia, Patricia, who's now going to call plays for New England. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I'm not a fan of Tua. Yeah, but uh, training camp kicks off here this month, so uh, we're only a couple weeks away from football again. 
which is nice. And then this is the last month. Well, actually, we get football this month, so then it'll be the last time without football until March. And Thank then God. we'll have we'll have the USFL again. We'll have the XFL. So it's basically year-round football from now on, which I'm I'm down to watch. That's right. They need to bring back the uh, European Football League. That would be nice. Um, that would be. You remember those old like nine o'clock games? You'd watch European football. I remember those were some decent so games. I remember mostly of them being in Madden. I used yes. to play against the European leagues all the time in Madden. Yeah, when uh, you felt bad about yourself, you go play. Yeah. Against, <laughs> go play against the Euro. You want to run the score up on somebody? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember those days. <clears throat> oh, underrated. I heard this. ESPN NFL 2K5, greatest NF, greatest football game ever made. Fact. Yes, and I still have it. It's sitting, 100% agree. Sitting back here right now. It's the greatest game of all time. It had Greatest game. It had all the dynamics of a, game, of a football game you would want to play. It had the halftime show with Chris Berman with highlights. Yep. It had the mansion where you could create, you know, all the things and you could play the, the dart games and this. It had first person football. It had, yep. you know, a little bit of everything. So um, it is to this day still better than the current Madden. Yeah, it was the it was the, by far the greatest football game ever made. Um, for those young listeners. Go find yourself a copy. Plug it into your Xbox. It'd be play hard that to find. game. It's like it's like finding NCAA fourteen. It's like a hundred and fifteen bucks. Yeah, yeah. It's it's well worth it. Which I'm well, hoping that I'm hoping that the new NCAA game is not going to suck next year. Who's the uh, Who's the creator? EA. If they do it exactly like the old. EA, if they do it like the old NCAA games, it shouldn't. But if it's like you know the Madden B team, uh, it's going to be rough. Is it is it EA or are they in conjunction with anybody else? That I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Like if it's a true EA, let's bring back all the NCAA gurus who made this game good before. Or if it's like EA, but we're going to give you all the people who run Madden yeah. Ultimate Team to create this, then then yeah. And it sounds like they have 128 of 134, 37 schools signed on. So it'd be good to have, you'll have most of the division one schools. I wish they would bring back the, uh, the FCS schools. Um, yeah. But, you know, as long as it's just as good as it was back in the day in 14, 13, 12, I'll be happy with it. Oh, got to get back to running that Oregon spread option. <laughs> or the, uh, you had the, uh, you have the Army, the Navy, and was it West Virginia triple option? Or Georgia Tech triple option. Yes. Oh, my God. You could run that, the triple option. You could option. run that all day. It was amazing. I remember I played – me and Josh would play every year on Christmas, and uh, I was Oregon. Was I Oregon? Yeah, I was Oregon, and he was Purdue or – yeah, something like that. Well, we get down. I'm winning. I scored with like two seconds left. And I'm up six or I'm up five with like, you know, two seconds left. So I kick the ball off and Josh houses it. Just, <laughs> just 
one of those things I'll always remember. Dude takes it to the house with no time left and automatically wins the game. I was so pissed. We, I think uh, we all have experienced that. On yes, yeah, so I on remember. We were, remember when we used to play uh, Madden 06 online against people, and we would yes. just full back dive with the Patriots the entire game. Yeah, that was when um, Lawrence. You had Lawrence Maroney, who was like a. He, that was when they had the trucking stick, mm-hmm. the truck stick that came out, and I mean, you could just bulldoze people. Yeah, and we we get so many people to quit because you just full back dive every single play, and you get four or five yards. Yeah, you couldn't stop it. Nope. 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 Never. So we kept it doing was, that. People, yeah, people got really pissed off at that. Yes. Yes. Really pissed um, off. So, yeah. Um, you got anything else? Nope. I think that's a wrap for this week. Yeah. Short and sweet Short on this podcast. Uh, gotta wish everybody a, a happy 4th of July. There are fireworks going on out in my parking lot right now that I can hear. So, uh, Congrats to me. Congrats to you. Stanley Cup champions, defending Super Bowl champions. Um, big thanks as always to our sponsors, My Slabs. I just put a ton of stuff up on My Slabs. People should go check it out. Always use My Slabs. Better than eBay, 100% fees. Yeah, it changes the game. Uh, pr- protect your slabs with slab savers. Go to protectyourslabs.com. Uh, use the code DREAM3. You're going to get 10% off. Get a good case. Protect your high dollar stuff. Uh, now, when you ship your cards, use gridship.com. Use code DREAM15. You're going to get 15% off. It's worth it. Trust me, when you ship your cards, your high dollar stuff, you don't want to take a risk. So, protectly, protective of those cards, ship them safely. And finally, our friends at Nation Golf. It's golf season. They got a lot of cool stuff out new hats coming out, new visors, Peruvian cotton shirts. Great stuff. So check them out at nationgolfco.com. Um, have a good 4th of July week. Me and Neil will probably be back next week. Monday. Monday. And until then, we will see you all later. Have a good weekday. Have a good week. Follow us on uh, YouTube, Facebook, the whole shebang bang Reach out to us on Instagram. Let's get some deals done. Until next time. Later. Oh, 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 oh,